I'm Amy Wagner. Welcome to the best of Simply Money. Each week we put together some of our favorite segments from the 55 KRC radio show exclusively for this podcast. This week, Steve and I break down the latest report card for our economy, the gross domestic product numbers, and track where the money in the bipartisan $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill is going. We also reveal the middle class estate planning that every saver needs to have and what soaring car prices mean for your next ride. Finally, I interview Al Riddick, founder and president of Game Time Budgeting, about how you can plan for those expensive home renovations. GDP, our gross domestic product booms and a $1.2 trillion infrastructure deal making its way through Congress right now. Here's what it all means for your money. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner, along with Steve Sprovac. You know, Steve, it is quite amazing when I think about last March and where the economy has bounced back to now. We are back to pre-pandemic size of our economy. Hard to imagine last March when everyone in the office was walking around with headsets on trying to calm investors off of cliffs because the market was in a free fall. Well, think about, you know, where were we a year ago? It wasn't just the market in free fall. You know, we had no clue when and if there was going to be a vaccine. I I mean, people were kind of in a panic mode. And, and, you know, one one thing investors have always hated is not knowing. You know, even if it's a bad tax bill, as an example, at least you can calculate the impact on, on your investments and make in informed decisions a year ago we didn't know what was happening we didn't know uh, you know how how long the economy was going to shut down if and when it was going to come back vaccines you know how many people were going to die and of course you know on cable tv and and in the media you heard some pretty extreme viewpoints of how bad it was going to be so yeah. you know it's really nice to to start thinking about not just you know getting back to normal life but the economic numbers are showing we're back where we were before the pandemic hit. These are great numbers. We said this right when things started shutting down, that, hey, guys, before everyone freaks out, we are fundamentally sound, right? Going yeah. into what, yeah. whatever it is that we're looking at, we think that our economy is fundamentally sound. And I think this speaks exactly to that. We went through the worst quarterly contraction on record. GDP has bounced back exactly a year later. Think back to the last recession in 2009. GDP took two years to fully rebound this time only one year so huge difference here and i think that speaks to a lot of things there's the health of the economy going into this what congress did with the the stimulus money uh and the fact that you know there's a lot of people who just were ready to get back out there and start spending again I'm doing my part. Uh, Yeah. um, Thank you, Steve. We're we're helping build up the economy, and my waistline (laughs) is is proof positive of that. No, but uh, seriously, the the numbers that came out yesterday, uh, Amy, um, you know, the GDP gross domestic product, that's a summation. That's how the U.S. is doing. It's our report card. It's how much goods and services were produced in this country, and these are second quarter numbers up six and a half percent on an annual rate. Amy, we get excited if GDP is up two or three percent. I mean, good perspective. Yeah. Six and a half percent is massive. And, and, you know, we've still got half a year to go. We'll see how third and fourth quarter go. But this is a good sign. It's a little bit of a mixed bag because, you know, all you have to do is, is pay attention to what's going on. And not everything is reopening real smoothly. I mean, we still have some some hitches in in, in the economic rebound. But, you know, again, let's go back in time one, one year when we didn't know what was going to happen and when the economy was was going to reopen. Well, you know, if the economy is locked down artificially, I mean, it was a government call saying shut it down. 
And well, someday you knew the government was going to say, okay, open it up. And what we're finding is opening it up is a lot harder than locking it down. And it takes time and not every industry comes back immediately like nothing happens. So we're going to have to get through some disruptions, but yeah. these numbers are great and, and the market is reflecting the strength of these numbers. Now, economists, though, right? And, and I would, I've said this before, I would hate to be an economist during this because everything is unprecedented. Yeah. We haven't gone through a global pandemic since what, 1918? So what we've gone through is unprecedented. So being the person who gets paid to make predictions about the economy would be a super tough job. But those that were surveyed by the Wall Street Journal estimated GDP would grow at 8.4%. So it's like, yeah, we missed the mark. But to your point, Steve, we would have been throwing a party for 2%, you know, 2.5% in, in the past. 6.5% is huge. And what's yeah. driving the growth? These reopenings. I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of businesses are clicking on firing on all cylinders right now. Uh, and the vaccination rollout, I will continue to give credit. I mean, it rolled out. I thought there were some hiccups initially, but mm -hmm. I also thought the general population had access to vaccines far sooner than I imagined that we would. Oh, we, we were talking a year ago about, well, the average vaccine takes four to six years to, to you know, get approval by the um, uh by the uh, Federal Drug Administration. Yeah, FDA, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and it's like, wow, this, this is going to be forever. And and I think some industries took that to heart. I mean, take a look at what the airline industries and, and car rental industries did. Yep. Um, they kind of planned on a two or three year lockdown, I, I think, and they're paying the price now. But, you know, they, this was almost uh, on, on par uh, with the Manhattan Project developing the nuclear bomb in World War II. I mean, these pharma companies, for all the negatives that they get from various sectors, they came together and they put out a vaccine that was viable in a record amount of time, and that's the real reason we're able to reopen as, as soon as we are. So, you know, th this is good. The economy's building. I would like to have seen less hitches in, in the economic rebound and, and less disruption, but we're getting there, and I think we're going to continue to get there. And, and you're still going to hear, Amy, a lot of negatives. Uh, yeah, but. Yeah, but this is bad. Yeah, but the chip shortage. Yeah, but that. Um, but overall, we're, we're, we're heading in the right direction. No yeah, question I mean, about it. I think one of those yeah, buts would be the worker shortage. Yeah. But we're now five weeks out from those federal unemployment additional benefits running out. And I think everyone who's anyone who's been watching this feels pretty confident that once those benefits dry up, people are going to be heading back to work in probably record numbers. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC as we break down our economy's report card, gross domestic product numbers and you know we've got another bill coming down the pike uh you know with a 1.2 trillion dollar price tag you love these bills don't you I, well, this one I do love. I, yeah, I mean, infrastructure. Yeah, I, but I, I'm still in the... Can we call I, it the Brent Spence Bridge? Oh, I would I be much happier can. about that. I hope we can. I, I mean, it's really weird the way Washington has been working lately, last 10 years, whatever. But, you know, it, it looks at this point like it's going to be, uh, okay, you'll find out what's in the bill after you pass the bill. And I, that just rubs me the wrong way. We don't know, Amy, if the Brent Spence Bridge is in this bill because they haven't gotten to that point. What, what they're talking about, and at least they're talking about it in a bipartisan uh, method, uh, is where the money comes from, how it gets paid for, and, and broad areas of how the money's going to be spent. Um, I've heard $1.2 trillion, but, you know, it's only $550 billion of new spending. Only. Yeah. I mean, we're at the <laughs> point where, you know, words that start with a B when you're talking about 
dollars is only. But yeah. it, it's, it's we're a, jaded. Wait, we're jaded I, we to are. this at this point. But it's an important bill. I, I mean, yeah. roads need to be fixed. A Brent Spence needs to be replaced. And and I I'm just looking forward to number one the bill passing, and number two is the Brent Spence Bridge in it. That's important. Well, here's the breakdown that we have so far. So roads, bridges, and what they're calling major projects are going to get $110 billion in new funding. $37 billion of that will fund the repair of bridges. $17.5 billion in funds help cities and states tackle you know, large projects. Uh, here's the thing. Steve, when I go shopping, let's just say this. Okay, so my kids are going back to school here in a few weeks. Sure. If I was going back to school shopping and I didn't have a list and I just said, I have $500 to spend on back to school shopping and we're just going to spend it, then, you know, 200 bucks in and it might be like, okay, we'll just get 500 folders, three, like things that we don't. So, so this yeah. is kind of what our government is doing. They're not saying, here's the projects that we want to tackle. We're going to add up the price tags for them and then figure out what the bill is. It's here's the allocation of money and that, that next we're going to figure out where it's going. I don't I, like that. No, I, you don't run your house that way. I don't run no. my house that way. I don't run my house at all, but that's, that's a whole different subject. <laughs> but you Anne know, that, doesn't run your house that way. <laughs> oh, she runs. <laughs> Well, she runs a house. There's no doubt about that. But no, it, it, you're right on the mark. And, and you know, Washington just says, here's a lot of money and let's figure out later how it gets spent. And if it's not enough to do the Bren Spence, uh, sorry about you. You know, it's I, I, I'm frustrated with that. But here, here's where my big frustration is. It's getting caught up in politics. Imagine that. It's a Shocking. bipartisan. Yeah, it's a bipartisan bill. You've got both sides coming together saying, yeah, this is something we need to do. We were hired to get this job done. Let's at least get this legislation done. And now what we're hearing is, oh, no, no, this will not be put up for a vote in the House unless we've already approved the $3.5 trillion deal that came out of Bernie Sanders' committee. Um, and supposedly that's a good deal because it started out as $6 trillion. And there's a lot of people in Washington, and I don't think it's all Republicans either. No, there's a lot of people in so. Washington saying, no, let's get infrastructure done. That's necessary. And then we'll talk about the other. But uh, in the House, I'm not sure they, they have the votes to do one without the other. So uh, wait and see on this. I, I'm going to be really frustrated if yeah. this first infrastructure bill does not get passed. Yeah, I mean, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi saying, listen, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to pass this infrastructure deal if we can't get through this budget reconciliation deal. Yeah. On the flip side, you've got Ohio Zone Rob Portman saying like, hey, these are two different things here, uh, you know, and, and they don't necessarily need to go hand in hand. So definitely something worth keeping an eye on. I also thought it was interesting, $25 billion for aviation. Yeah. Uh, I was I've just been flying this week uh, and. Every flight I was on was completely packed. In fact, one of the flights they were asking people to take a voucher. Wow. Uh, Back to the old days. Yes. Airports are crowded. So when you look, because at first I was like, this better not be going to airlines, right? Airlines are doing just fine right now. It's going to update airports. And I think we can agree that in some airports, that's a very necessary thing. Also, um, upgrades to the FAA's air traffic control facilities. Yeah. on a safety level, that's all fine with me. And that's something I've got experience with. I, I'm just a general aviation pilot, not obviously flying airliners. But um, that infrastructure, has uh, it hasn't been well-funded for decades. They, yeah. they just started upgrading the computer and, and uh, communication systems uh, several years ago. And it, it takes a lot of money to do that. Yeah, safety is the number one priority, and they, they need the money. Yeah. Here's a Simply Money point. Our nation's infrastructure may get this $1.2 trillion upgrade, but this is far from being a done deal. 
could be a parenting question, but it's also one that governments are dealing with right now. The carrot or the stick, how do we get people to get vaccinated? The Ohio Department of Administrative Services has has announced that they are giving vaccinated employees a $100 incentive. And if their spouses are vaccinated, they're going to get $25. Uh, I, I think Ohio, Steve, has kind of been leading the way as far as trying to push kind of new and innovative ways of getting people vaccinated. Yeah, I, I, I want a million dollars again. I, I want to get that contest going. That million dollars, <laughs> yes. Yeah, you didn't win. I, I mean, I guess we would know you didn't. If you won, you wouldn't be. Here I on wouldn't the show. be on the air right now. Exactly. Yes, you would. You love it yeah, so much. You'd still come I back. Would, sure. <laughs> no. It, it, well, you know, it's it's something that this Delta variant, and there's going to be more variants. I, I mean, that's the way flus. That's yeah. the way they grow. You know, they they change, they mutate, and and that's why we have different flu shots every year. So you know, this Delta variant's got some people pretty upset, and and you know the and question, sick, right? We have well a, and we, sick, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and the question is, okay, you know, as an employer, do you have the right to mandate vaccines? And and you know, I'll let the the uh, legal people figure that one out. But you know, uh, you're looking at federal and state employers; they're they're starting to wrestle with this. And you know, let's at least incent people to get the vaccine so that you know, fewer people get sick. And, and I think Ohio's on, on the right course. But, you know, this is something in the private sector is going to be big news about, you know, can we or do we have a responsibility to require vaccinations? Well, yeah, Ohio certainly seems to be choosing the carrot here, right? Ohioans who are on Medicaid and get their first vaccine shot by uh, September 15th also are going to qualify for a $100 gift card. Uh, And so I think Ohio taking that route, but it's not the case across the board. Federal employees, and, and President Biden just announced this, civilian federal employees have to be vaccinated or they're going to be forced to submit to regular testing. They're going to have to continue to socially distance. They're going to continue to be uh, mandated to wear masks, restrictions on yeah. most travel. Uh, so they're going to make it very uncomfortable for federal employees uh, to not be vaccinated. Uh, yeah, and this is kind of a, a 180 from the federal government. But, you know, they've changed their mind in times past also. And, and I, 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 I kind of get it. I, I think everybody wanted to say, OK, it's over. It's done. And, and let's move on. Um, I personally have a little issue with being vaccinated and being required to wear a mask. This might sound like a weird analogy, but, you know, I like to ride a motorcycle. And if I choose not to wear a helmet, I don't tell everybody else, you better slow down because I chose not to wear a helmet and that would be safer for me. You know, and if you've chosen not to be vaccinated, I I, I guess I I, I respect that. But I'm not sure why I have to wear a mask and, and, and protect you. Um, that's that's where I'm at with it. I know it's not everybody's opinion, but, you know, it's it's going to be a challenge getting back to normalcy. Yeah, I mean, in this Delta variant, you guys, it is no joke. We have a close family friend who's, you know, 45 years old, great shape, and he's now in intensive care with us. So, you know, not something to be messed around with. And I think the government trying to figure out, okay, how can we get people uh, to make sure that they're on the right path here? Uh, You know, one piece of taking control when you're talking about your financial future, and this is why a financial plan isn't just like your investments. It is planning everything, including your estate plan. Uh, And I think a lot of people think, okay, well, that's my will. But that's... That's not the only thing. Mm-hmm. No, and, and and people think, well, an estate plan, that's for rich people. No, that's not really the way it works. Everybody needs an estate plan. It's a fancy yes. fr- it's a fancy phrase. It just says, okay, at least once every five to ten years, sit down with a lawyer and either 
put a will together and some powers of attorney, maybe a trust, maybe not, but at least get those documents together, wills and powers of attorney, and check all of your beneficiaries on any of your accounts that have a beneficiary, like your 401k, and even your bank account you can put a beneficiary on. Um, It's crazy, Amy. I I mean, I sit down with people that pay a lot of attention to their investments and sit down with me at least uh, once a year, and, you know, we'll get on the subject of, okay, when's the last time you updated your will? Oh, I don't know. The kids were young. Well, your kids are grown and you have grandkids now. It's about time. You know, this is stuff you have to pay attention to. Right. And if you don't, here's the thing. And and listen, I, no joke. I have a to do. Everyone makes fun of me. Anywhere you look in my house, there's like different to do lists. Like my estate planning was on my to do list for maybe close to a year. And I mean, I hate yeah. to admit that because I preach all the time that you've got to get this done. But it's not a fun thing to tackle. And I and I completely understand this. But you know what got me into uh, the attorney's office was finally if something were to happen to me, yep. um, if I were to get really, really sick and I didn't have a plan in place, uh, the upheaval that would be for the people who I love, you know, fighting yeah. over who's going to make these end-of-life decisions, if that's where things are, and then what happens next. Uh, and so this is really, um, I think, in my opinion, this is not necessarily something you're doing for you. It's you're doing it's for it for other people. people that you love. Nope, yes, you're no going to be question. gone, right? You're not worried about it. Yeah. Um, but but those who are, and so part of that is, of course, having those powers of attorney, having the will in place, making sure that things are updated. I can give you horror stories the people who did the will but didn't update the beneficiaries, yep, right? Yep. And ex-wife gets the whole huge yep. 401k or whatever it is. Like, So this is important to pay attention to and super important to have conversations with your loved ones about. I, absolutely. Talk to the kids. Make sure they know your intentions. But no, you hit on a good point. I, I mean, if there is a written beneficiary, which means a 401k, an IRA, accounts along life insurance those lines. policy yeah that's what that's what happens when you're dead that person gets the money i don't care what you wrote in your will you know so you've got to make sure that and your beneficiaries surprising. are correct i think that surprises a lot of people yep. because you think okay well yeah i filled out that paperwork on that plan that a 401k whatever it was years ago but i yep. updated my will your will does not supersede well it will never supersede the beneficiary designation yeah yes. I, I just went through this yesterday oh no i fixed that on my will Yes, but I just told you that's not what you have on your account with me. Let's update your beneficiary. Extremely important. And by the way, powers of attorney, that's something that wasn't always included in, in will and wills and estate planning years ago, um, both financial and medical. Make sure that not only you have one, but that the people that you list as your powers of attorney are still in good health and young enough to make decisions for you. I have my estate plan in a binder um, and, um, you know, the people who need to know, know exactly where it is. And I also keep a list of my passwords uh, right there with it, too, so that, you know, if something were to happen, that we would be good. Here's the Simply Money point. Estate planning, it is easy to put off, but it's also one of the most important pieces of your financial life. You know, your car is supposed to be, it's supposed to be 
a depreciating asset. But in this world right now, some things are turned upside down, Steve, and that's not always the case. Oh, it's amazing. You know, I you know I like cars. I mean, I talk about cars. You do? I, I love looking at yeah, maybe just a little <laughs> bit. Um and it's really wild right now how cars are appreciating, even used cars. I just talked yesterday with, with someone and, and they're they're having debt issues. I, I mean they, they're trying to clean up their, their debt. They're they're fairly young and they just got in a little bit over their head. And and here's something I would never have mentioned years ago. Um, okay, that used car that you bought that you owe $37,000 on, you might want to sell that because it's worth way more than what you paid for it. Pay off the loan and have money left over to buy something or lease something to get you through in this crazy market. Yeah. In other words, they, they can still have a car and be completely out of debt. And if they want a new car, they can lease for a while until these prices settle down. That was not an option uh, six months ago, never mind a year or two ago. The average used car right now up about 2500 3000 more than it was just in 2019. Uh, I mean, you can't find cars on lots. Steve, one of the things yeah. that I love more than anything is negotiating. Yeah. I mean, from the time I was in college and my dad and I walked into dealerships uh, to buy my first car when I was graduating from college, and I, I started talking over my dad, and my dad was like, wait a second, look at her. <laughs> She's like, I have loved negotiating, especially for cars which is like crushing to my soul right now because there is no negotiating. It doesn't seem that way. I mean, what would you say if you walked in to buy a new car now? I, they would laugh it? at me. Yeah. They would laugh yeah. at me. I mean, in fact, the list price for a new car in June, close to $43,000, buyers paying on average 99.9% of... like that, that goes against everything I believe in. I know. Yet... It is what the market is doing right now. This chip shortage, there's less cars out there. At the same time, you had so many car rental places, right, that are having to buy back yep. cars. So if you're looking for a used car, you're not only competing with other, you know, average Joe consumers off the streets. Your Hertz and budget and rent a car and yep. all those places are trying to increase their fleets because demand is so high for them as well. Uh, it, 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 and it all comes back, in, in from what I can see, to the chip shortage. And, and it's hitting some car manufacturers worse than others and and I, I don't want to get into you know specific names but um, you know some, some of these car companies they're looking at shutting down production lines because they can't get the chips so what happens in a supply and demand economy well if there's only three new cars on the lot when there's normally a hundred there's number one no negotiating room and and so your next question might be okay if I can't get a new car right now what kind of certified used car do you have well there's not many of them and yeah. the ones that are on the lots, they're, again, supply and demand. Okay, uh, six months ago, this would have been a $16,000 car, but we're going to ask 19000 for it, and we're not going to budge on the price, and you know what? They're probably going to sell it. So uh, the, the lack of new cars is causing the prices of used cars to escalate and escalate dramatically. You know who I really feel sorry for? People who are turning 16 around this time, right? Many yeah. of them have been saving for cars forever. You know, my daughter Grace turned 16 in February. She has had a countdown on her phone. How many days until she turned 16 since she was 11 years old? So, you know, here you are. You've been yeah. saving. You know, obviously you're not going to be able to afford probably a new car, but, you know, a good used car. Well, we have friends who just bought a car for their son, uh, 16 years old, $5,000 more than they would have been paying. Well, what if that kid was yeah. paying for it himself? Yeah. You know, like they might, they might have that. That might be okay for them. But that's a tough place to be in for these kids. It, it is. I mean, even if you can save up, I mean, you worked your butt off the last couple of summers and you're 16 years old. 
Um, if you've got four or five thousand bucks, you know what you're going to get. Uh, a, a, basically a 12 to 15 year old car with close to 100,000 miles. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that's that's not the, you know, the best choice for you. And, and 5,000 bucks to me is still a lot of money. I mean, my, yeah. my first car was 200 bucks. I literally sold my trumpet from my, my senior year in the band to buy a car. You, you sold a trumpet for a, yeah, no. Yeah. Well, my career was to... not, my, my trumpeting career was not exactly on an upswing. So. <laughs> Now you'd have to have like a fleet of trumpets yeah. for a used car. Even if you were looking at um, under uh, $10,000, we've did some research here locally, 2014 Ford Focus with 40,000 miles on it. If you've got $20,000 right now, a 2017 Chevy Cruze yeah. with 1,600 miles on it. So low mileage, I guess that's pretty good. But, yeah. you know, this this is where we are right now, which is why I've said several times, and I think this still holds true, if you don't need a car right now, like sit tight, get the duct tape oh, yeah. out and yeah. put the bumper back on because you know it is worth holding out. And, and many of these people who, many of these companies that make these chips have said, Hey, we think by Q1, Q2 of 2022, this will sort itself out. So if you can wait another year, it honestly may be worth waiting. Yeah, but here, here, here's the problem that's what they're saying. But I'm starting to get some feedback that. No, it might be third quarter of 2022. Mm. Oh, this might go into 2023 with with a chip shortage. I, I mean, they're building plants in the United States. This is something that has been an issue for years. Here's the good thing to come out of all these disruptions, Amy, is, is it's really pointing out where are the supply chain issues and let's get them back in this country. So we are producing uh, factories that are going to be producing finished chips. We we produce the, the raw materials for computer chips, but we don't finish. They're all done pretty much in the Far East, and we're trying to bring them back into the U.S., which for a lot of reasons I, I think makes sense and would avoid this problem or, or at least minimize this problem if it ever happened again. So, you know, don't expect a lot of room to negotiate, but it should get better. Our car buying rule, 20, 10, and 4. Put at least 20% down. I'd love to see people put more than 20% down. Yeah. Don't put more of 10% of your monthly budget towards maintenance and car payments. And this is a tough one. Four years. Four years <laughs> maximum loan. Do you know how many six, seven, and now even eight-year loans oh, yes. are out there? Don't do it. Just yeah. don't do it. You pay more in interest than you pay in principal. Say, do the math, right, yeah. on what you'd pay over four years versus what you pay. And yes, your payments may be lower, but that means you're buying a car that you can't afford. Exactly. Look at the out-the-door cost of what you will pay in total for that vehicle over the course of you, uh, you know, paying off that loan. Um, you know, and also 10% of your monthly budget, this is not just what you're paying on the car payment. This is... You mentioned maintenance, but this is also car insurance, you know, anything like that, you know, do not go above that 10% rule. It will put you in a place that's just not comfortable. Here's the Simply Money point. As car prices continue to skyrocket, make sure you are in a ride that you can truly afford. Raise your hand if you've ever taken on a home renovation project and actually come in on budget. Okay, I can't see you, but I know that there are no hands out there raised right now. Alberic is the founder and president of Game Time Budgeting. He joins us quite often on the show with some great insights into how to make smart money decisions. I'm right here, Al, aren't I? Like there's very few people who start to go down this path of a home renovation and actually come in under budget or on budget. 
<laughs> you are so right, Amy. And one of the first questions people need to ask themselves when they're uh, tossing around the idea of this home renovation, number one, do I have caviar dreams with catfish money? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and, and do, yes. And if you do, you might need to pre uh, or prioritize some of those desires regarding that home renovation. But I always say, in addition to that, you know, have you really earned the right to splurge on a home renovation. So let's just be real about this. Uh, you need to make sure that you're on track so far as your retirement planning is concerned. You know, you have the emergency fund squared away, and you're really giving every dollar you earn instructions so it will get paid, Amy. And, uh, and at the end of the day, just to be more uh, basic with this response, when you think about home renovation, you know, really invest the time to look at the size of the room, the uh, the material cost of the project, the labor, and at the end of the day, most people do go over budget, and you have to ask yourself, instead of maybe gutting the kitchen, will some new appliances actually make me happy? <laughs> That's a great point as you're, as you're looking at this budget. Um, there are some renovations that you can do that are probably more budget friendly. What are some tips that you have along those lines? So very, very budget-friendly tips. So let's just start with the kitchen since I mentioned that already. Uh, have you ever considered maybe just adding or changing a backsplash? Or maybe when you're looking at purchasing new appliances, guess what, Amy? You can actually purchase dented appliances that might have a small dent on the side. Let's say mm. it's an oven, for example. Once you slide it into place, guess what? Nobody's going to see that dent on the side, and you can save yourself a ton of money. Um, doing simple things like changing the handles on the cabinet or maybe having a movable island in the center of your, of your kitchen. All of those things can create the, the mood or the look that you're looking for, and you can come in at a very, very good budget range. Uh, in addition to that, you know, a lot of people, in addition to spending time in the kitchen, we spend a lot of time in the bedroom as well. So maybe instead of, like, expanding the size of the bedroom, what if you just get some small things like a do-it-yourself headboard or maybe Mm -hmm. changing the artwork or maybe changing the wall color or installing dimmer switches and things of that nature? These are just very small things that you can do that maybe will change the mood within your household. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRZ. I know a lot of us have spent way more time than we used to in our homes over the past year, year and a half. And as a result of it, there's a lot of you that are interested in doing home renovations. Al Riddick is joining us tonight, founder and president of Game Time Budgeting, with some great insights on how to keep those renovations, dare we say it, on budget. Where do you see most often, Al, people getting out of control here, uh, losing control of their budgets? Yeah, when it comes to your budget, uh, and let's just be real about this, Amy, uh, most people get out of control when they stop doing math and incorporating more emotion with financial decisions. Uh, and it is true that adults are grown children, of course, that can exhibit qualities of, of, of adolescence, so to speak. So when it comes to really sticking to your budget, this is basically a math question. You know, how much money can you afford to spend on this renovation? Um, For example, I've read articles recently where people sometimes finance 
home renovations with credit card payments. And yes. let's just be real about it. That money is way too expensive. Why would you borrow money at potentially a 16% annual percentage rate? You just can't get ahead that way. Of course, you might have the option to take out a home equity loan, but again, how expensive is that money? And might you be able to be a little bit more disciplined so that you can have more cash readily available to put towards this home renovation? I have some good friends who redid their kitchen, uh, planned out their budget a year, two years in advance of the project and saved and paid cash for everything. And as a result of paying cash for a lot of it, actually were able to save with some of the contractors. Oh, definitely. And I'll tell you a very quick story. Uh, years ago, when my wife and I decided to uh, finish our basement, uh, when we were meeting with a lot of contractors, everyone kept throwing up the phrase, home equity line of credit or home equity loan. So we were like, well, wouldn't it be fun if, if we took this as a personal challenge? So we saved the money to pay for our basement renovation or remodel in cash. And it was so cool because nothing gets me more excited, Amy, than a one-payment plan. <laughs> <laughs> so is, is that your advice, too? I mean, for someone who's thinking about a renovation, wait until you can truly afford it? To, to me, uh, I always say, why is it that when we're faced with a financial uh, challenge, one of the first instincts is to borrow the money? Mm-hmm. So one of the things that you have to learn how to do is create more discipline in your life as it relates to money. So if you want to learn this skill, why not see if you can save up, you know, X amount of money to put towards this home renovation? And I always say, of course, I didn't create this, but to me, cash is king. So a lot of times when you're paying in cash, you might be able to negotiate uh, different uh, reductions in price based on some of the things that you might be purchasing from, you know, various uh, vendors that will be responsible for providing materials for this home renovation. But at the end of the day, if you are going to borrow money, make sure you buy money at the least amount possible because at the end of the day, it is going to impact your ability to prepare for the retirement life that you desire. Al, so your number one advice to anyone who's thinking about doing a home renovation right now that wants to try to keep it on budget, keep it in control, what would you say they have to do first and foremost? The one thing you have to do is count your money because math does not lie. And math hopefully will allow you to um, be less emotional when it comes to that financial decision. And at the end of the day, um, how much might that home remodel add value to your life and the actual value of the home? Because one of these days you just might sell it. So you definitely want to recoup your investment. <laughs> Great insights tonight from Al Riddick, founder and president of Game Time Budgeting. If you're thinking about a home renovation, things that you need to keep in mind to keep that renovation on budget. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC, the talk station. People listening to the best of Simply Money. Now, if you could do us a favor, send the show to a friend if you think they may benefit from it too. At All Worth Financial, we help you retire better.